Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right. Well, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, I'm very excited to have Mark Bennett on, who is a seasoned sales professional in the networking and security space. And Mark has sold and led at some of the most well-known brands in the space, uh, which is actually where we first met. So Mark, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Well, why don't we jump in? I mean, I, I probably didn't do your, your introduction and background justice. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and your background in tech sales? Sure. I've been doing this a long time. I got into tech sales in 91. Most of my career, I haven't moved around a ton. I spent uh, five years at Hewlett Packard. Then I did 19 years between Cisco Systems and Juniper. Did a short stint in the storage business. And I've been at Palo Alto Networks now for about six years. And I've done everything from carrying a bag and selling to uh, leading teams uh, up to running worldwide sales. So lots of different jobs in that 30 years. That's right. Yeah. And we first met at Juniper Networks in a couple different roles. So I enjoyed working with you. Um, So you've worked for some really uh, some name brand companies and had some great roles. Um, You know, over that time, what has been the best sales position and why? And that could be sales leadership, sales direct sales, just generally your best position over your career? Yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of the the company and their culture, because that is so very important to me. The other thing is timing. And when I look back, I was lucky enough to be early, pretty early at Cisco Systems, right when the internet was taking off, uh, late 90s, and uh, the market was just on fire. This whole internet thing and email, and it was it was early days. Customers were spending with wild abandon, which is always fun in our business. And so that period of time was special. It was a special company, great leadership, a fantastic team where I met some wonderful people that I'm I'm still close with today. And so, that 10 years at Cisco or nine years, I guess, was definitely special. And then the, the second one that comes to mind, they've all been great. Uh, but my current role at Palo Alto Networks, what a neat company. They're, they're doing some really cool things for the market, protecting our digital way of life, which is so important today because everything's gone digital. Um, it's, it's just a fun space, kind of the cross-section of cybersecurity and cloud. Uh, and I really enjoy that. And it's it's uh, uh, a great group of people, which, as you know, the people are are what make uh, what we do so fun. And Absolutely. so 
I've had many great roles, but those are a few that stand out. Yeah, I want to actually touch on something there. So you made the comment that, you know, back in the early days, really probably the early part of your career, when you were at Cisco, you met some fantastic people that you're still in contact with today, still friends today. And I I think this is really important because I, I, I know when I look at my very first job, my first five years, those are some of my foundational friends inside and outside of work. And, you know, we're always adding to it, but, uh, you know, those people I'm sure have led to great friendships, job opportunities, future team members that you've hired. Uh, it's sort of fascinating to see how that plays out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I've, I figured out early that when we all came into this business, uh, most of us started uh, at the grassroots, which was selling. It was carrying a bag. It was taking a territory and then, you know, doing something, doing work that was differentiated. And when you do that, you build a brand and then that brand follows you wherever you go. And if you do your job right, you, there's just no way to not stand out. So when cool things pop up, I would have people that I used to work for, at, you know, one company say, Hey, I think I found it. I found the next great thing. I want you to come over and take a look at this. It, it's that, connectedness that that comes through people through doing a good job man that matters a lot so i've been very blessed to meet some great leaders some really fun people like yourself and then over the you know course of 30 years it's worked out pretty well yeah and you know it's it's said out there probably overused but your network is your net worth and, you know, your value of uh, is partly based on who you surround yourself with. And, you know, I've heard it say that you are, you know, you're the average of the five closest people that you spend your time with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the higher quality of people, you know, the higher your average. And, you know, usually if uh, you're not the smartest person in the room, well, guess what? You're probably going to elevate yourself pretty fast. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. The whole birds of a feather thing. Yeah. Well, so Mark, um, it's not all roses and peaches and what we do. What's been the most challenging role over your career and why? Yeah, uh, I, I, for about a year and a half, I ran worldwide sales for a company in uh, the storage industry. And one of the things you realize as you mature a little bit in this business is the importance of balance and doing quality work, doing differentiated work at work, but also many of us have things uh, at home that are important too. You're maybe you're a, a dad or a, a husband, a significant other, you have, you know, kids. And if you're not careful, things can get out of balance. And in that role where I was worried about everything going on across the globe, I just flat got out of balance where I was working a hundred plus hours a week. And it felt as though no matter what I did, I couldn't keep up. Mm -hmm. So the best I felt I could do, and maybe because I wasn't right for that role. And, you know, I'm certainly open to that was tread water. And the harder I tried to write that ship, the more my family and friends and people that matter so much to me suffered. And so as I look back, uh, that was probably the most difficult thing for me. And one thing in particular, and this was just changed my life. Frankly, I was sitting in my office at home, this office I'm in now, and my two kids 
I have a son and a daughter. They knocked on the door and they came in and said, dad, we'd like to talk to you. And they opened up a PowerPoint presentation because they thought that's how you talk to dad um, on how they wish for their last year or two in high school. They wish that I could play a more active role and they would love for me to go to their more of their games and to get to play a more active role in their social lives. Uh, and I got to be honest, that kind of gutted me. Didn't yeah. see that, that coming. And that snapped me out of this uh, place where I was not in balance. And shortly after I left that role, uh, because there are more important things than making money and, um, and what we do at work. And so uh, that was uh, a turning point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when they were up there and we've passed on and somebody's talking about you or me, they're not going to remember all the great things you did at Juniper or Cisco. You know, they're going to remember the things you did outside of work. So the friends, the family. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, you know, so Mark, if, if you took a lesson from that, you know, going into your next role, or if you were to go back and do that role again, how might have you attacked it differently mm-hmm. to be, to get the, you know, the outcome you're still looking for, but add the balance in there? Mm-hmm. I've thought about that a lot, Chris. And it's funny, the longer you've been in this business and the more experience that you gain over the years, I think the more wisdom that naturally comes because you learn from what you do right, as well as what you do wrong. And The one thing I remember as a young man, first coming into sales, I was so focused on moving up the chain, Mm -hmm. right? Because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. (laughs) And I came in and had a pretty successful first number of years selling and thought, I got to go. I always had this fire that it's time. I got to move to the next level. And then I got to move to the second and the third and the fourth. And I think if I would do it again, what I would do is slow down and realize 30 years is a long time. So rather than rushing up the chain, take time to learn everything you can at each level of the ladder and suck as much fun and and experience and wisdom and money and uh, just life experiences out of every step. Because you have time to be the head of worldwide sales or a senior vice president, if that's what you want to do, you have time. And I always felt like I was so worried about the next thing that I didn't really get the maximum enjoyment out of the thing I was in. And so that's what I would do different. I would slow down and enjoy the journey uh, at each step and not be so worried about the next thing. It'll come, right? I mean, when you, when you're doing that, then when you least expect it, boom, it's presented to you. Um, sort of the yeah. way of the world. Had a guest on earlier, uh, very similar to what you just said. Um, one of the lessons he had taken from some of the things he had done in the past was you really have to slow down to ultimately go faster. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had worked out for him. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. So, Mark, if you think back, you know, getting a little bit maybe down into the nitty gritty of, of selling, you've had some great wins with some well-known brands. I remember when we worked together, you, you, when you started, you jumped into some pretty big uh, accounts up in Seattle and produced some really nice results. Uh, and I know you've done that in a bunch of different places and have had team members that have also um, been incredibly successful. And what's the secret behind your production? 
What's worked? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I remember when I came into the business, I was uh, I was concerned about uh, my brand. I was concerned about, do I have what it takes? Do I have the smarts? Do I have the soft skills? Do I have the technical ability, relationships, all the things that go into great selling? And I, I noticed the trend uh, over time. I didn't notice it right away, but I noticed that I was usually the first person in the office and I would prep my day. I would consciously and thoughtfully plan the things I needed to get done. And then I would do all of my work and then I would do my wrap up at the end of the day. And usually when I lifted my head, I was the only guy still left in the office. And so I was never afraid of hard work, Chris. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were that way too. I saw that a lot in you. And so don't be afraid to outwork, you know, your, your task. And uh, the other thing that I think is really important is it's easy to confuse uh, being busy with being productive. And so really make sure that at the end of the day, of the 10 things you needed to get done today, hold yourself accountable and say, of these 10 things, man, I didn't get any of them done. I was busy and I, and I constantly moved and did stuff and took calls and responded reactively to whatever but I didn't get any of the long-term strategy things, the things that'll matter two to five years from now done. And then I would count that day as a failure. And so be uh, honest with yourself, be organized, set up a list of things you've got to do, and then hold yourself accountable because you, you don't need a, a boss or a leader to do that for you, right? All of us as, as high-tech sales reps or, or leaders, we can, we can lead ourselves, right? Self-governance. And so I, I was able to apply that structure and over time I got better at it. And I noticed that slowly but surely my performance in terms of uh, percentage of quota, how I compared to my peers got better and better and better. And then very soon I wasn't worried about, you know, do I have what it takes? I just outworked whatever the task was. Yeah, well, I think what's so important, what you said is there's outworking, right? But then there's outworking with intent. And that first step of getting up in the morning, kind of going through what's a priority, and then making sure you're doing the right things. And I, I think that is incredibly, um, I mean, that's foundational to any, any, regardless of whether or not you're in tech sales. Personally, what I like to do is, you know, I'll, I'll create my list. And I've got my annual goals. I have a quarterly quarterly goals. And then each week I, you know, have my big three that I'm trying to get done. And, you know, the week may totally blow up. Some other VP may dictate what's going to happen that week. But, you know, if I can get those three things done in the week, man, it's been a good week. And then each day I might have a list of 10 things, but, you know, the top two need to be tied to revenue generation stuff, you know, and then I, ideally in that top three, you know, I like to have something in there about the people, uh, my team, but if I just got those three things done that day, in theory, they should be the right three things. Hey, I'm productive. And, you know, then everything else after that is just, you know, it's additive and just continues to uh, lead to a productive day. But, you know, everybody's got their own style. They just need to have something um, built into how they plan their day out. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Well, Mark, you, um, you know, when you think about uh, 
you know, getting out in the field, getting in front of a customer, kind of the mechanics of selling. You know, anything there that you do or that you've seen really successful reps do time in, you know, day after day, week after week, that's, that leads to success? Yeah. Um, well, one, that is for me and will always be the most fun part of selling is I like to spend a certain percentage for me. That's a minimum 60% of my time out in front of customers. Mm-hmm. That changes as your role changes, because as you run large organizations, uh, you have additional realities that filter into your life and you got to deal with those things in your job. But uh, as a seller, the more time you spend in front of the customer, the better. A couple of reasons. One, it's really fun. That's the great part. The relationship part of of getting to know people, building long-term relationships that don't last a year. They last decades. I still talk to people that I sold to 25 years ago in a completely different part of tech, right? And route switch or or servers or whatever. And I don't sell that stuff now, but people are what, what really matters and relationships. And your goal in selling isn't to kill it this year, but rather I think to create an ongoing annuity of success that lasts over multiple years and even decades. And it really comes back again to to building your brand. So when you're in front of your customer, to answer your question, I would say first and foremost, be prepared. Uh, Have a plan, an agenda, internal objectives, external objectives that you think the customer wants to learn about and work a plan. Don't, I see so many uh, folks in selling just fly by the, by the seat of their pants. And they think they can do that because they're quick on their feet and they are, you know, able to respond to pretty much anything that comes up. That might be true, but I have learned from doing things wrong as well as doing things right, that the time in front of the customers is special. So be ready when you get into the meeting, walk through level set. Okay. We came together today to talk about X. <clears throat> and in particular, we wanted to review A, B, and C. Does that still meet your requirements today, Mr. or Mrs. Customer? Is there anything additional you'd like to talk about? Has anything changed? And by setting and framing the call up, uh, you sometimes can learn really powerful nuggets of wisdom. And it makes the customer realize that you're not wasting their time. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. All right, well, for the audience, listen up. Listen to what he just said, because 
How many times have you been in a sales call? You're excited to talk about what you have. You're ready to go do the presentation. You're ready to do the demo. You get halfway through it. And then, then you find out that, oh, the CIO left. Oh, we got acquired. Oh, we sold that division unit. Oh, you know, we got hacked and everything has just stopped and we got to change all priorities. Well, if you would have figured that out in the beginning of the call, think of the time you would have saved, right? And by the way, you would have been, you would have, been respecting the customer's time because you would have adjusted the conversation to what's top of mind for them. And Mark, you, you know, back when I was at Juniper, I had the luxury of working at a person on my team, number one commercial rep for the year, number two the next year and happened to be local. So I got to go on quite a few uh, ride-alongs with him because he was local. So he was not the smoothest salesperson. He's not the slickest salesperson, but he did what you just said consistently 100% of the time in every single meeting. And the number of times the meeting changed because of it, it always stood out. And I think that's such a, you know, when you set the foundation from the start, heck, you could screw something up later, but if you're off to a good start with a good foundation, it makes it much easier to uh, recover from any missteps along the way. So great, great point. I think I know who that person is and they were definitely differentiated in their craft. I agree. Um, the other, the other small nugget that I would offer is when you do get a C-level meeting, a high level executive meeting, you really need to do your homework, mm-hmm. double click, read. If it's a public company, the 10 K read the 10 Q read the annual report, understand what that company's trying to do. And then work your solution, whatever that is, into things that support those key objectives and agendas. And don't, I see so many folks coming into our business, sit down with an executive, whether that's a CEO or a CIO and say, tell me about your business. That's (laughs) I'm out. That's stuff that you should get ahead of time so that you're prepared for that, because that is a quick way to upset uh, C-level executive. Yeah. I think you have a story of where you didn't do that well early in your career that you told many, one time. At a- many stories where I've, believe me, I the things that I do right now, I guarantee I was probably doing wrong 30 years ago. Yeah. Ask me how I know, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, the, great insight. And thanks for sharing all those. Um, well, so Mark, um, you know, we're Well, we love what we do, right? We love meeting with the customers and you can make a lot of money in high-tech sales. You know, one of the themes of this podcast is, you know, hey, how do you take those hard-earned commission dollars and reinvest it to build that future that we're all looking for? Uh, I'm curious if you don't mind me asking, uh, what are some things that you've done to reinvest uh, some of your hard-earned commission dollars? Yeah, um, look, I've always been uh, a fan of diversification. It's, It's just smart right? Having all of your eggs in one basket, regardless of whatever the quality of the basket, high tech sales uh, has been very good to my family and I, and it's been a wonderful ride and one that I've enjoyed immensely. And you're right. It, it can pay very well if, if, if you do it well, but who knows with the way the world is today and all of the different dynamics and variables that are coming into play who knows what's going to happen? Like right now in high tech, there's a chip shortage that's mm-hmm. impacting companies' abilities to ship gear, get gear out the door. It's messing up all kinds of things and projects. Diversification is important. And so for the last 20 plus years, I've been doing, I've tried 
you name it. I've done real estate, uh, both residential, you know, flipping homes. I started doing that. I, for the past 10 plus years, I've been in the commercial space where we've purchased hotels and strip malls and apartments and condos. And that's been a, a wonderful journey. I've learned a ton there. We've tried franchising, uh, owned a big chain of franchises at one point under the guise that no matter what was to happen to high tech, we had to have some streams of income and preferably some passive ones that would protect my family and I and their objectives and my ability to pay for very expensive college. So done that for most of my career, Chris, and I'm very glad that I did because I learned a ton from that. And it's, you know, frankly, been uh, a lucrative outcome. So happy to share any of that if it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So, so I'm, I guess I'm picking up. So the goal there was to not necessarily replace what you're doing at the time with your W-2, but just over time, build up that, that ongoing bigger stream of passive income so that when you exit W-2, I mean, you probably have, we've all maybe built up a lifestyle that's sort of scaled up a little bit as we've made more money. So how do you continue to have that income coming in after you leave? And so I, I get the sense that's what you were trying to do with the passive income from some of those investments. Yeah, I, you know, I realized, you know, one of the benefits of doing anything for 30 years is you realize what you're good at and what you don't care for as, as much. And one of the things that I realized pretty early is I like to build stuff. Yeah. I like to take something that doesn't exist and intangible and make it tangible. And so I got a lot of enjoyment where, you know, there are people that, and look, there's nothing wrong with this on the weekends. If you want to lay around and uh, watch college football, I love college football, but I am not happy unless I'm moving and I'm busy and I'm creating. And it doesn't matter if if it's making furniture or I'm building houses that I'm going to sell. I just love that. And so I took the advantage of that and went out and found some bright mentors in the space, people that have been very successful in real estate. And they taught me the do's and don'ts of that space. And then I just got to work and I was shocked that once you built a a recipe for success and whatever it is, flipping houses that can be market dependent, but it's crazy how much money you can make in doing that. And so one, I love doing it. And two, uh, we saw some, you know, fruits of our labor. And so it started small and then just kind of snowballed. Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at it, right, I mean, investing in real estate, nothing new about that. And if you look at some of the you know, wealthy people out there, pretty darn sure real estate's a big component of their portfolio. And, uh, you know, the, the challenge with real estate is, you know, it, you need to get educated. You just can't jump in, um, especially if it's your money that you're putting into uh, any type of deal. And so, you know, you got a mentor. Some people will get a, you know, get a coaching program. Some people will study up and read a bunch of books. Whatever you do, you, you know, you need to get educated. Get started, but maybe go to a meetup. So if I personally run a monthly meetup where I don't know everything, I've been doing it for 20 years on the side. And one thing I know is I don't know everything. And so I love when I get together with like-minded people because somebody drops a nugget of information. I'm like, oh my gosh, this blew my mind. And, you know, how do I work that into what I do or what I don't do? Um, So if anybody wants to learn more about uh, investing in real estate, I do have a free ebook on our website. Uh, It's called Passive Investing in Real Estate. 
and you can go to hightechfreedom.com. Just scroll down on the main page, you'll see it, and you can download that for free. So, Mark, what uh, out, of, out of some of your investments, what's been the, is there one that stands out that was a home run or kind of surprised you with the way it turned out? Gosh, uh, you know, over the years, we've done so many, but I, I have, the, our trend has been, we started pretty much 100% in residential and in that market for a couple of reasons. One, it was one that made more sense to me and it was one that I was a little bit more familiar with. Two, it required a little bit less capital and equity and financial strength to do. Uh, And then over time, we've seen a shift for us towards commercial. And the reason is better leverage, better passive income. uh, And we've enjoyed the stability that comes with the commercial side of things. Um, Not to say residential's, you know, not stable, but we've, we've been really lucky to uh, invest in some apartments and condos and strip malls and things that have just paid off great. So the, the other thing that I've always tended to do right or wrong is I stick to markets that I know. Right. And so I've had people say, you know, hey, there's this great opportunity for, you know, northern Minnesota. And it's just not a market that I'm familiar with. I don't have my fingers on the pulse of is it a long term good bet? You know, what are the market dynamics that factor into uh, that space? So I've stick I've stuck to markets that I'm familiar with, which for me is is Washington in Arizona primarily. Uh, and I've recently uh, gone into a third market, but so, so yeah, I, I can't think of any one in particular, but some of them, when you catch a market, right, we've seen uh, 80%, 100% returns in a very short period of time. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, personally, I'll just share a quick story. So, you know, I got, I got, I learned, I quickly learned this idea of the benefits of passive income you know, 20 years ago. So I, I was just a little bit behind you, but when the dot-com bubble crashed and I had all my market and tech stocks and, and my, my 401k was, uh, they gave you, a, they gave you more matching if you put it in the company stock that if you put it in the generic uh, market, I was like, all right, well, that sounds like a great idea. So I did that. Well, guess what? It all cratered. And unlike the great recession, a lot of those tech companies, they never bounced back because they went completely under. And I had a uh, my, I had a future partner that uh, was fully invested in in real estate at that point, been doing it for 30, 40 years, and you know he was retired, sixty five, still making three four hundred thousand dollars a year off the rentals that he was sitting on at that time. And I was like, huh, I want that. And then you know about that same time, I I met somebody that's doing what we're doing. He's probably I don't know, let's I don't know how old he maybe a little bit older than I am right now, but he was still grinding it out as a sales rep. And I started poking around a little bit. And what I learned was, yeah, he'd fully funded his 401k and fully did the ESPP program, but he built up a lifestyle that that 401k couldn't maintain. So he had to keep working, you know, because he had a big house and nice Mercedes and multiple cars. And, you know, kids were kind of just finishing up, uh, you know, private colleges. And so I, I think whatever your strategy is as a tech salesperson, if you're young and you're early in your career, man, start now. It may not seem like much, but, you know, the effect of compounding over time and the things that you learn along along the way 
you'll be able to tweak it and make it that much more efficient. Amen. Um, well, Mark, as we wrap up, um, you know, a big part of what we do, we, we benefit from, but I, some of the most successful people I know are very generous and they give back, you know, what, what do you do to give back, uh, either with time or charitable causes? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, that's something that's very near and dear to my heart. So early in my career, I had a wonderful time serving in the U.S. Army. So oh, thank uh, you for your service. That. My pleasure. Uh, and so, as you might guess, uh, Veterans Affairs uh, is near and dear to my heart. And I help out any way that I can with multiple different programs that serve veterans needs. I, I'm a big uh believer in and supporter of mental health and keeping a, a balance in your life and and realize that there's really tough times out there right now and you know the effects of covid and and other things have put a lot of strain on people and and that's really hard and so we love to uh, educate and help out around uh, mental health issues and uh, also, just just helping folks that are uh, in need. And we've been very blessed in our lives. And it's so fun to be able to give back. And I sit on the board of, of a company that's called Stockings for Kids. And it's a United Way charity that puts together tens of thousands of stockings at Christmas for kids that otherwise wouldn't get anything at Christmas. And so just I'm just honored to to play a small role in, in helping those, those companies. And it's just so much fun to watch people benefit when you give back. So would encourage, you know, your listeners to, to look into that and uh, play an active role in, in helping others. Cause you really get a lot more from it than, than you give. I, I, and I just, I, you know, everybody has their own beliefs, but I just generally believe that the more you can give back in the world, in the universe, you know, it, it, it comes back to you in, in positive ways. So I really, I think what you're doing is great. And, uh, Whatever you want to do, find the right thing that fits for you, but go do something. Uh, well, hey, Mark, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? You know, I, I think the only thing that comes to mind, Chris, as I look back on my life and my career, I'm just uh, grateful that I took a chance. Uh, and there, with anything we do in life, there's some degree of risk, but nothing great comes from staying in your lane. It's about always be learning and, and don't be afraid when you get to the point where you can take a little bit of money and, and put it aside or invest it or do something creative or different, do that, especially for your younger listeners. Uh, Chris, I totally agree with what you said that start young, be a student to the game, learn, be creative, try something and what you'll find is through compound annual growth rate that can make a massive difference in your life uh, down the road. And I'm so glad I did that. I've learned so much. It's been a great journey and I uh, uh, hope this has helped uh, your listeners. And I'm happy to share, you know, offline if, the, if there's anything else I can do to, uh, to help anybody out. Yeah, it definitely has. I know I pulled a couple of things from this. Uh, how, how can listeners reach out to you if they would like to connect? Sure. Um, uh, you can reach out to me. Probably email is the best because I'm pretty active and traveling around. 
uh, Marbenny, M-A-R-B-E-N-N-E at Comcast.net. Drop me an email and uh, we'll connect that way. All right. Well, Mark, thank you for taking the time uh, to join me today. It was really nice catching up and uh, really appreciate the insights that you've shared today. My pleasure. Good seeing you, Chris. You too. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.